3, verse 12. I'm going to talk for 10 or 15 minutes, I promise. Give you my word. Colossians 3 and James 5. So we're going to start with James 5, verse 11. I just want to read the very last portion of that scripture. It says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Why don't you say that with me? The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. If you'll flip over to Colossians 3, verse 12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Today I want to talk about the factor of compassion. All right? How many want to see miracles, signs, and wonders break through? You want to see people's broken hearts healed? You want to see marriages put back together? How many want to see that stuff? How many want to be part of it? Like, man, I got to, I got to help. I got to connect them to the Father and see breakthrough. I do. I, that's like a cry of my heart. And right now in our world, compassion is under assault. Like, if you show compassion, it's seen as weakness today. And, and all of the media and stuff that comes out is meant to slander and curse and kill. And it's stripping people of, a, of an ingredient that's very important to see God's kingdom come. It's stripping us of compassion. It's stripping us of mercy for people. Amen? In, in James 2 verse 13, it says, Judgment will be, will be merciless to anyone who has shown no mercy. And it finishes by saying this, Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we're in a world that wants to judge, wants to crush, wants to persecute, that wants to build up its idols and then tear them down one by one. Our world, how many have ever noticed that about the, 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 so, the, the media? It, it finds the hard luck story, the Josh Hamilton story. This guy had a drug addiction problem. He fought through it, and now he's a Christian again. And they're looking for a little thing that he does wrong. So they can tell, oh, he's still the same person he was. They want to build him up like this champion superhero. And they talk about him and they blow up and they puff him up with pride. And then they will look for a way to tear him down piece by piece. They did it with Michael Vick. He comes out of college. They talk about how amazing he is. They build him up. And then they look for something. They find this dog thing. They get him in trouble and they tear him down. And then he gets out. He's, re- he's rehabilitated his life. And they build him up. And then because the... One of the people from Dallas gives them a key to the city. They want to tear Michael Vick down again. We see it over and over again. We see it not just in, in athletes, but we see it in politicians. We see it in, 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 in singers and, and movie stars and, and common people. We want to look for the good and, and blow people up. And then whenever they get to that top, we look for a way to pull them back down. It's the system of our world. And all it does is it assaults our compassion. The Lord wants us once again, he wants our hearts to break with compassion. The Bible says that when Jesus looked out over the people, he was moved with compassion. Because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. You know, I opened up by saying how many want to see the things that Jesus did and greater things. You know, we want to see miracles, and I do. And I was praying three weeks ago about this. Because I heard, a, I heard a testimony of a man who was healed from esophageal cancer. And as I heard him, I started crying. I was like, oh, God, I want to see that. 
so awesome. This was a tough trucker dude. You know, he's like, he's not, he's bawling, telling his testimony. I was like, Lord, I want to see that. The thing that got me was he said, you know why God healed me? His tears rolled down his rough cheeks. Just because he loves me. Not for any other reason. I was like this big burly man crying because God loves me. He showed me he loves me. And I start weeping. I'm like, God, I want to see that. I want to see people do that. I want to see that same thing happen. And the Lord asked me a question. Like, don't interrupt my moment, God. This is awesome. He interrupts with this mean question. Why do you want to see stuff like that? Why do you want to see miracles and signs and wonders? And then he didn't stop there. He immediately followed with this other question. He says, for you or for them? I was like, you're right. I've, I've grown up in church my whole life, and I want to see miracles. I want to see breakthrough. I've seen them, but I want to see more. I want it to be common. But it can't be because I need to see it. It can only be because the people need miracles. People need healing. Marriages need to be put back together. It can't have anything to do with PR or to say, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's alive and well at this church or he's alive in that person or that person's a great woman of God or whatever. That's not why this happens. God doesn't heal because people are powerful and great men. He heals because he has compassion. And the Lord began to tell me, he's like, look, Whenever you can replace the need to see these things for you with a need to see these things because you're broken for other people's weakness, then you'll start seeing those things. Jesus constantly healed from a place of compassion. He was never moved by selfish desire. Not one time did he do healing for himself. What? If you're really the son of God, prove it. How many times did someone say that to Jesus? And how many times did he do what they asked him to do? He did not have a personal need inside of him to see miracles and signs and wonders. The only thing that motivated him was love, compassion. He didn't do it for PR. He didn't do it to validate his identity as the son of God. He didn't do it for any other reason other than he loved the people that were broken. I think it was A.A. A. Allen or one of those great, great healers at the turn of the century. They asked him, like, how come you see so many people healed? And he started weeping. He said, because I fell in love with the sick. I fell in love with the broken. See, if we can do that, if you and I can stir up compassion in our hearts for the handicapped, for the sexually abused, for the blind, for the deaf, for the abusive person, for the pedophile, for the drug dealer, for the drug addict, for the prostitute, for the John who goes to the prostitute. If we can stir up in us a love for them, that love will motivate us into a place of action. It is impossible to feel compassion and love for someone and not do anything because compassion isn't a feeling. It's a feeling that produces activity in our life. Compassion isn't a moment where I shed a tear because I see a handicapped child and I'm like, that child deserves to run and play with his dad like my kids do. That's not compassion. That's sympathy. That's a great start. Compassion moves you from sympathy to action.
God doesn't want us to be a church that's sympathetic only. He wants the sympathy to produce compassion so that we can't sit there and watch the child pull himself across the floor without us getting up and saying, God, this isn't okay. We want to see social justice. We want to see breakthrough. We want to see our city turned around. Then love and compassion has to begin to motivate us. We even sing it. One thing remains. Faith, hope, and love, these three remain, but, but the greatest of these is love. Greater than faith, greater than hope. Like, man, I thought faith was the most valuable commodity in heaven. I thought hope was the most valuable thing in heaven. No, love is the most valuable thing in heaven. The Bible says love covers multitudes of sin. Love causes us to treat people the way they deserve rather than the, in heaven, rather than the way their actions say they deserve to be treated. Love says, I'll just be honest with me. Love says, don't be selfish with your time. Love has no agenda. You know that? Like, I don't love to get anything back. I don't have compassion to get anything back. That's not love and that's not compassion. That's, that's manipulation. Love is sitting at the red light, and you know the person standing there asking for money is fine, and they could work if they wanted to, and they're just going to go buy alcohol or whatever it is. Love is saying, I don't care what they do with this $20 bill. I don't care. I want them to have it. I don't have any strings attached. See, for too long, the church has been, do this for us. Say a prayer so we can add you to our numbers. Come to church. So that you can feel God's presence. Repeat this after me and you'll feel better. And I'll get to go brag to my friends. I led someone to the Lord today. And I did my duty. And I can make them feel guilty because they didn't. That's how we've grown up in church. It's like a, a point system. God says that's not being motivated by love. Love has no strings attached. Love is loving your sister when she treats you as horrible as possible. Love is that wife who's faithful to church. Her husband won't go. She treats her husband like he's a king. Doesn't expect anything. So we've seen some miracles. We've seen breakthrough. There's some cool stuff happening. I mean, really, we have. I was like, Lord, I want to see it where it's common. He's like, then you need the factor of compassion. 
Love is holding the door open for someone and they don't even say thank you. And it doesn't bother you that they didn't say thank you. That's me too. Usually I'm like, you're welcome. Such a jerk. (laughs) My wife lets me know, you're such a jerk. (laughs) Don't be like that. Who cares? Did you open the door so they would say thank you to you? If you want to thank you so bad, thank you, Jared. Thank you. (laughs) It's true, right? Isn't it awesome that God gave us good wives? They humble us. And they make us feel like warriors at the same time. I don't know how it works, but they do it. Compassion. Compassion is Jesus on a cross after getting beaten to where no one can even recognize him. And instead of calling judgment on people, which he had every right to do, I mean, even Paul gets mad at people and says, you're the people who killed the Son of God. (laughs) Paul gets on to him. This thinking that you have right now is the very thing that crucified the Messiah. And he gets, read through Paul's writings. He rips some people for it. Yet Jesus, the one who went through it, sat there and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even have a clue what they're doing. Do you think we're capable of loving like that? Do you think we're capable of that kind of compassion? See, we're in the middle of of the biggest spiritual battle that's ever been on the face of the earth. Greater than the Israelites and the Philistines. Greater than the axis of evil versus the good guys with Hitler and all of them. This is the worst time we're in right now between the Islamic movement and the Christian movement. And it's going to, for the rest of time, it's going to increase. And if you want to sum up the, the, the Islamic movement, you could sum it up with hatred for people that don't think like them. The history of the church has been the same thing. We judge people who don't think like us. And the Lord is awakening the church in this final battle. The only way we win is through love. The only way we win is love. Stephen, have you ever heard the story of Stephen in Acts? He was a common man. He was a great man. He was one of the disciples that followed Jesus all the way through. He was filled with the power and the spirit of God. And he's serving tables. He's been relegated to, to wait tables so that the, the true apostles, the teachers, could teach and could devote themselves to praying and reading the word. So he's passing out food to people. And while he's handing out food and serving and waiting on people, he's performing miracles. As he hands them their food, he sees that they're sick and he prays and they're healed. And people get angry with him. And they take him out and they want to stone him. Let me remember this story. While he's being beaten and the rocks begin to be thrown at him, he looks into heaven and the Bible says that his face changed. Read it. 
the love of God came over his face and it made the crowd so mad at him, they began to, to stone him even harder. But he just released himself to the, to the love of God, to the spirit of God. He released the spirit to God in that moment. A common man was motivated by love and compassion and felt the same thing. God, forgive them. So if Stephen can do it, I can do it. You can do it. It is possible to be moved with compassion. And the church is being stirred back into love. There will be persecution coming in the future. I don't know how far, but there will be. But in the face of persecution, can we love the persecutor? Can we take it like a hero? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. If you would, would you stand? We're going to close out. Uh, nothing else to really say, but let's just make a place of prayer right where we're at. And just ask God to break our hearts. To take out judgment and wrath and anger and selfishness. God, take these things out and replace it with love and compassion. No strings attached kind of love. Compassion that doesn't expect to thank you. Love that says, don't just have my coat. You can have my scarf too. Love that says, I won't just walk one mile with you. I'll go two. Love that says, even if you hurt me in this cheek, turn my other one to you. God, give us that kind of love. Stir that kind of compassion up inside of us. We know we can't create it in us. We're not made to be compassionate in our flesh. So we need your Holy Spirit to stir up the gift of love, the gift of compassion inside of us. God, I ask that you would let the church be known for its great love. You said greater love is no one than this. He would lay down his life for a friend. And you said the bride is going to look like you. That every believer is going to look like you. And that's what you did. You gave up your life for many. I ask that that as the church we would do the same thing. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart and ask God to just pour compassion and love there. Lord, fill me overflowing with love and compassion. Don't let me be jaded by a desire for justice. As great as it is to desire justice, don't let it taint my love tank. Jesus. Jesus. Last thing I want to say is there's this thing that that I've been saying to some of our staff, and it's just a, a personal thing that God's telling us, and I've said it from here too. 
But let's find the things that are superior, that are God's things, and let's do them more. And let's address the things that aren't kingdom or godly things and do those things less. Amen? So we've prayed, and I believe right now, I believe God's filled us with a new desire and a heart for compassion and love. I believe that. I mean, feel that. We believe that. We, we prayed it, and we had faith. The key is to, to give that love and compassion away, to find an avenue for it to be expressed. Hello? And then when you give it away, you have to refill it. Every day, you have to refill that, that tank of love and compassion. Listen to me. If in this moment, I believe with all my heart right now, everyone in this room, your, your heart of compassion is completely filled right now. If you don't do anything with it, if it doesn't go anywhere, it will become a stagnant pool. And it will become rotten. It will become of no use. So you have to do something with it. But once you do something with it, you have to refill it. So how do you do that? Number one, you have to pray every day. You have to read the word. But what I'm really, really wanting you to focus on as well is you have to introduce yourself to things that will stir compassion. You have to read things that will make you compassionate. If there are things that you hear that, that cause you to be judgmental, turn them off. But whatever you hear that causes compassion to stir up in you, do that more and more. If it's researching people that are like Mother Teresa and they're just doing awesome and that causes compassion, then study Mother Teresa until you have the compassion that she has. Read up on it. It's, it's called adding value to your gift. It's called fanning into flame what God's put in my heart. He put it there. That's his job. It's my job to use it and to keep it there, to stir it. So every day you have to find something that moves you to compassion. Every day you need to find something that makes you cry. Everybody good? One of the greatest speeches I ever heard. Have you heard of Jimmy Valvano? Anyone ever heard of him? He was a, a basketball coach. Uh, was it from Maryland? I think it was back in the day. NC State. And he fought cancer. And he was dying. Completely dying. Every year they raise money for the Jimmy V Foundation. Well, as he's dying, he's literally wasting away. He gives a speech and he says, There's, is it three things that you should do every day? Number one, you should laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two, you should, you should contemplate. You should think. You should think. And number three, you should, you should weep every day. So let me ask you, when's the last time you weeped? That's something that broke your heart. Well, Pilgrim, that's too long. <laughs> Amen? This is one of those, you know, every week we, um, you know, the whole point of sitting and listening to a sermon is that we'd be changed, right? Man, but I'll tell you what, if we keep going and don't let ourselves change direction according to what Jared has spoken this morning, man, shame on us, you know. This is one of those things, let's take it and apply it. 
just let yourself be, make, make yourself change. Don't let yourself just keep on going your own merry way. Change course for somebody. Stop for somebody. Stop. You know, um, there's research that proves that when people see images of children in need, that they are more likely to give and more likely to give more, more inclined to give more, whether to that cause or not, whether to help a kid or not. Just give, period. It's, it's proven research that if somebody sees images of, of children in need, they're more likely to give, right? Like if they see that commercial on a Saturday night and the next morning they're in church on Sunday and the offering comes by, something from their head snaps, they're more likely to give more because of that image. It's proven research. How crazy is that? How many of you guys change the channel when those commercials come on? <laughs> Sorry, I do. <laughs> I know I'm not going to call the number. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> Even if you're not going to call the number, let's at least let those images sink in. Let's be people that stop whatever thing we have going on in our lives and take the time to care about another person. Remember, I talked about risk-taking and the whole reason... Uh, you know, a month, two months ago, whatever. The reason I talked about risk taping was because I wanted to address that moment between when we think I should and then we think, no, I'm not gonna. There's like that moment of hesitation where our like decision-making instincts kick in. And more often than not, what happens is we say, well, that's going to require me to love, which is going to then open up my vulnerability. I'm going to have to then commit because love is a commitment. And then mm, I better not. Boom, we go back the other way. It's a fear of, there's, there's, a, there's a level of fear in there, a fear of loving somebody. We have to put that fear aside. We have to leap without looking. Stop and care about somebody. All right? All right, thank you, Jared. Uh, I'm telling you, man, every week I'm, like, blown away. You guys, if you feel like you need to give a compliment to somebody and you don't know who to give it to, please come give it to this guy. He needs us to lift him up. He's our leader, right? Let's hold his arms up because you bless us every week, man, for real, okay? All right, Lord, just thank you for everything you're doing in us. God, thank you for changing us because we know we're not as good as we need to be and as good as you've made us to be. So thank you, Lord, for crafting us, for continuing to teach us and to change us and to make us into the people you want us to be. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the time of worship that we had, for the intimacy that we tasted. Thank you for the revelation that you gave to us, that we can understand you better, that we can understand your purpose in our lives better. And Lord, I just pray that as we go from this place, that we would take you with us, that we would take the things that we received here from you with us as we go into our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. You guys be blessed. Now listen, before you go, um, let me have...